This episode of Off My Shelf contains coarse language and adult conversation. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, my name is Tracy James and welcome to Off My Shelf, a podcast about movies that are, well, off my shelf, where we go through my DVDs and talk about the movies in my collection. In this episode, Michael Lennington is here to talk about a couple of big movies, Big Lebowski and Big Trouble Little China. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, and thank you for doing these movies because these movies are great movies. They were actually a lot of fun to watch. I just enjoyed every minute of watching both of these movies. Uh, Big Lebowski I haven't watched in a while. And mm-hmm. I was really surprised how uh, I stopped doing everything I was doing and just sat there and watched it and enjoyed it. That's what you're supposed to do. I know. But you know, you see a movie a certain amount of times and you just... It's you like know. background noise. Yeah, it, it, it didn't do that to me. Just kind of sucked into it and enjoyed it. I mean, that's good. As we sit here um, drinking our uh, White Russians, because I thought it was very appropriate to do so for this. They're pretty good. They're tasty. They're delicious. Can't imagine drinking it all the time. Though. No, it's very, I mean, it's milk and coffee. But like I said, it was very much like um, an ice cap. So I don't drink them every day, but. But the dude likes ice caps now. He probably does, but he just throws a little bit of vodka in it or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, I guess we could just start talking about Big Lebowski and the dude. I mean, first of all, as soon as the movie started, I forgot how melodic and wonderful Sam Elliott's voice is. Mm -hmm. And I, Mm -hmm. I just, he could just sit there and tell stories all day and I'd be very, very happy with that. It's also nice to see his face and then his smile go under his big mustache (laughs) It's and true. Big, uh, squinty, <laughs> smiley face. It, yeah, yeah, it's great. And he, and he orders a sarsaparilla every time. Yeah, I, I was like, what is that? I, I hear about sarsaparilla in all like westerns on a regular basis and all that kind of stuff, and I never actually knew what it was. And it's, it's, it's basically root beer. So yeah, like I looked it up. What was it? It mentioned something about it not actually being root beer somewhere. No, and... it's a different root, but it's delicious. Yeah, it's from the. Similax or Nata plant. And you can get it both, you know, alcoholic and non-alcoholic. But I guess you can do that with root beer now too, because they just throw yeah some sort of alcohol in it and they're like, boop, there you go. Also makes me wonder when it actually was made. Maybe it was like during, um, no, it was probably way before Prohibition. Oh yeah. Maybe well, it, they're, it's they're, easy to make, I think. Like, or you, it's makeable. Yeah. Well, they said it was popular in the 19th century and it was widely used as a home remedy like, I remember making homemade root beer and homemade ice cream. Oh, I remember making homemade ice cream. I've never made homemade root beer. But root beer tastes like toothpaste and Coke, so it's weird. No, it, it's, I don't know. It tastes better than any dad's root beer or other root beers. That's why I remember. And then uh, the only place that I've had a root beer that actually was really nice, that was homemade, was that uh, barbecue bar that made the guy, when he had his kids over, he, so he made a huge batch Mm-hmm. And then put it in the bar so that when his kids come over, they can have root beer. So was it homemade? Maybe that's yeah. what it was. So there's no like chemicals and artificial flavors or preservatives in it. It's yeah, just I think like... it has like a sitting time and then it ferment or like mm-hmm. expands. And stuff, so. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's delicious. Maybe I should track down that root beer mm-hmm. because, like I said, root beer tastes like toothpaste and Coke, um, and it's not very delicious. No, store root beer is kind of gross. Yeah. Even like A and W. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, def- I never understood 
the the love of root beer. People are like, we have to have root beer. Why? The kidney, the homemade root beer. Maybe that's what it is, yes. But I, but people get excited about the store brand stuff, so I mean. True, but I don't know. Maybe it's nice to make something on your own. Yeah. But then, yeah. you know. Well, not everybody's lazy. It's just, you know, it's a lot to take up a new hobby like that. People aren't lazy. They're busy. There's a difference. They're busy. But also, yeah. like, if you if, so, if you tell somebody, hey, you should make your own root beer, it'd be like, hey, you should make your own beer. And then they think, oh, I gotta buy, like, do a bunch of research. You gotta do the, you get all the accoutrement. Yeah. yeah. But in a, a lot of people, it's just overwhelming off the bat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you don't, I mean, it's like learning any new skill, right? It's, mm-hmm. if you don't know how to do something, the pressure and, like, going out and sussing out how to do something so you can do it is difficult. If it's something you know how to do already, it's easy. Yeah. Like, but it, it's also, it's kind of what makes it fun to do something completely new. Or you can just sort of <laughs> well, you know, like something learn you already something know how to do. Or, what? You can just tweak knowing, like, how to do something. Yeah, but I mean, um, I enjoy every couple of years doing something completely opposite of anything I know. Like when I... Like what? Like I tried doing tango. Mm-hmm. Or even like uh, rock climbing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or the first time I tried boxing. I was like, oh, I don't have a clue. Yet. And then, you know, a couple months later, you goof up a lot and then you're, you start to learn it and then you enjoy it more. <laughs> but it also, like, that's the enjoying part is the feeling, I don't know, you don't know what you're Really? That's the frustrating part. That's why a lot of people don't learn things because they can't get over that frustrating part. They're just like, I can't, ah, ah, and then they give up. Yeah, but uh, sometimes the frustrating part's really enjoyable. Oh, I disagree. I like the part right (laughs) after the frustrating part where you're like all frustrated and then you're just like, wait a second, I did it. What? I can do something now? Oh my God. That's the part I like. I don't like the, "Ah, nothing's working. Eh." No, that's not the part I like. Fair enough. Let's get back to uh, the... Okay, so it's a dude, but the uh, Sam Elliott's character, I forget what his name was, The Wanderer or something? Uh, The Stranger. The Stranger. Yes. Yes. And he just tells the story of the dude. I know, but I totally forgot that part. And Mm -hmm. then it starts with him and ends with him. So it's just basically him telling you a strange story. Yeah. And it's really enjoyable. And it's fantastic. And you're pretty much a guy at the bar listening in. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, yeah, I guess you're just like another person at the bar and... Or so, you know, you're two drunk people and that guy's telling you some weird story of some stuff that happened and you're just like, yeah, that's right. Also, the way the camera is angled, mm-hmm. uh, the last season of Fargo, there's a, I don't know if you watched Fargo, but then there's a scene where two of the main characters and then one of the characters is actually one of the bad guys from a previous season. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, it's already strange, but then they come out of a wooded area because they got attacked and they're pretty much almost dying mm-hmm. and then they find a bowling alley and then they cut to a bunch of bar scenes like in Lebowski where oh really yeah you see the bowling alley behind and mm-hmm. well I guess that's not surprising no I mean but it's also they're not uh, it's I guess it's produced by the Coen brothers but not directed so maybe it's a like homage yeah, kind homage. of thing yeah because I, I would think they would want to you know just kind of make references to the actual movies that they've made and the style of stuff that they do and the people that have been, you know, in their movies. Oh, I'm sure it's like a real joy to be working with or get to work on something that is Coen Brothers. Yes, I agree. Yeah, that's probably why so many people are in Coen Brothers films. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's really fun, like on set. 
Yeah, but weird. Like, just <clears throat> strange. Because everything they do is just weird and strange, but in the best ways possible. Like, I don't think it makes you feel uncomfortable. It just gets you interested in wanting to know more. Some of their, yes. When they want to make you feel uncomfortable, they do. They do really it very well. But yes. also, it, it feels... I don't even... It's the wrong word. Like, a slickness to all their films. Like, this film, it feels loose and uh, very put together. Like, a, a lot of ad-lib. Or a lot of cutting. But then mm-hmm. when you actually, when you're watching it, you realize like, no, there's no loose moment in this film. Yeah, all of the scenes, even though a lot of them seem pointless, actually are an important thing that's going on. I was also surprised I found it, like how funny I found a lot of stuff when I was first saw this movie. Mm-hmm. Like still super funny. Like when he bashes the kid's car. Yeah. And it's not his car. Yeah. And then... uh the ashes of Donnie. Oh, oh and then the that whole scene time. is so sad, though. That scene is so so it sad. Is, but it was just—it's perfectly—he's mm-hmm. perfectly dusted in uh, Donnie. Actually, the scene that made me laugh a lot is the scene mm-hmm. where he's—he got his new rug and he's lying there listening to his tape of bowling alley sound. Yeah, and he gets—he gets knocked out. I'm just like, why do you look so happy? He seems so content. He's in his world. He got his rug. This rug is nice and soft. It looked like a nice silk I bet rug. It was his stuff. favorite winning year. Yeah. No, it was. It actually said some kind of like tournament championship on the the tape thing. Yeah. I was like, this is this is the greatest. I was. I, I wish I'd put that closer. But I was. I thought it would be uh, him and Donnie and uh, oof, what's his name? What's his character? Oh, I know who you're talking about. Which is probably the... That was probably the most dialogue from one character. He had a crazy amount of dialogue. And back He did, and because he just... He talked constantly, right? Yeah. And he also had to do... Uh, whenever Donnie, like... <laughs> did, I wonder how that went with the takes. Because every time Donnie talked, he told him to shut up or something. Mm-hmm. So automatically, uh, in John Goodman's mind, must be... I got to do this dialogue. And then he's going to say something. And then it was just like reactionary. Just tell him to shut up! Yeah, just like a tick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, for sure. But it was pretty good. It's weird also, like, there's nothing likable about that guy, but then by the end you kind of... No, you're still on the fence about him, but... No, it's... The thing is, is that you realize that he is just generally broken, you know, and you want to hate him, but you can't hate him. Walter. Oh, oh it's all um, the little details, I guess, like the dog and the... Well, I mean, he's he's a guy who's who came back from Nam, who's obviously shell shocked, saw some things he couldn't handle, got married, thought he was gonna go through the process. His wife divorced him. He's still obsessed with her and lives by her rules because he's not Joe Jewish, and he converted to Judaism for her when they got married. Yeah. And now that they're divorced, he's still you know uh, what is it uh, Saturday Shabbos or whatever. Uh, he still goes through all that stuff, and they're like, "You're not Jewish. You don't have to do this anymore." Of course, I'm Jewish. I converted when you know I got married, and like. It, I like that. I like that about Donnie too. That he mm-hmm. never knew anything. Yeah, but Donnie was just. Where's your rug? <laughs> disconnected from everything. Yeah. Yeah, but you gotta wonder what they like. What did like? You only saw Donnie at the bowling alley. You never saw Donnie outside of the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. But you saw Walter and uh, the dude together. But that was about it. But like, what did what did they do when they weren't bowling? What was their thing? I don't know, because you you're pretty much just following the dude. He doesn't even know what day it is. Yeah. Who knows what they they probably do work mm-hmm. and probably do have lives. Yeah. But I I like the um the superintendent 
And he invited him to his <laughs> audition or his, his little. Is that one man dance recital <laughs> thing? Dance was amazing. <laughs> Um, apparently the dude, the first script of it, cause like, you don't know what the dude does. You don't know what he's living on. You don't know where he's getting his money from. Right. Mm -hmm. Apparently one of the earliest scripts of it had him being the heir to the Rubik's Cube fortune, (laughs) (laughs) which is just, it's such a random thing, but you know what? That's a lot of money sitting around. So who knows? Well, they switched it to the kid that stole the car because his dad wrote the majority of some screen of a TV show. TV show. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember what TV show it was though. <laughs> when I read that I was like, are, are you kidding? That's amazing. <laughs> but also it was supposed to be, uh, and one right before that, before they put in modern time, apparently it was supposed to be a, a Western. Mm. I don't know how it would have been a Western. Like I, I don't understand how they could Are you could've... talking about Big Trouble in Little China? No, I'm talking about, uh, was, oh no, that was I am thinking, Western. I'm thinking about the wrong thing, aren't I? Yes. I, I read a whole bunch of stuff you recently. Watched, yeah, well, thank God we didn't watch three things. <laughs> I know. Then I, and then I heard he became a kid, and then, uh, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hanks it was technically in Big Trouble in Big. Yeah, but a different type of trouble. Yes. Also, I hate that movie. Don't hate me. You don't have to like it. Some people don't like certain movies. I don't know. I just find it um, inappropriate since I, was, since I was very young. I found that movie very inappropriate. I found Big Trouble in Little China inappropriate. Why? But also, uh, in a good way. In a way, like, oh, I shouldn't be watching this. But I'm a little kid, it was like, oh, yeah, it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because it felt, like, so adult. But not adult. It felt like a teenage, even though I wasn't a teenager at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's not for like a little kid because there are quote unquote scary scenes in it. But I think it is for a little kid because it's just great. <laughs> I, would like, I would like, I would let a little kid watch that. Yeah, I but mean, but also I'm weird. I I think I'd, I'd be a horrible parent because I would let them watch the thing and get really terrified. Yeah, and then they'd know not to watch horror movies anymore. Yeah, or love horror movies. Yeah, and if they love it, well, then they love it. And then they'll grow up to make horror movies, and that'd be really cool. No, they won't be weirdos. I know lots of people who love horror movies that aren't... Well, no. I'm not saying they're not weirdos, but I'm not saying they are weirdos either. So, you know. Oh! (laughs) I like the old Lebowski. I love that guy. Oh, that guy was such a dick. Do you have a job? (laughs) He's amazing. Personally, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman... Phil Seymour A was an amazing, amazing character actor. Oh, it was so over the top. Yeah, but like, but his excessive subtlety was so excessive that it made it crazy. Um, It made it uncomfortable. It did. Every scene, yeah. Yeah. Even when he opens the doors, he was like Mm -hmm. bend over, like as if he was bound. Because it was very uh, dramatic, like melodramatic. He's like, ta-da, doors are open, you know? I like the scene where... uh, the dude starts touching one of the trophies or like the awards. He's like, don't touch, don't, please. He keeps like moving his hand yeah. away from it. Just smudging it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I must admit though, for this movie, for a movie that is so well shot and has such really like beautiful scenes and all that kind of stuff in it, the key art like on the DVD and like the poster and everything mm. are garbage. Oh, different group. Yeah, but I mean... I would think the Coen brothers would have some say in what, you know, the DVD cover or the poster would look like to match with the feel of the overall movie. I was listening to, well, this is 
the other movie, and then I was listening to some commentary of it, and I stopped because I didn't want to just copy the talk of somebody else's talk. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were they were talking about uh, they had filmed filmed it, shown it in front of uh, test audiences. Everybody loved it, mm-hmm. and then they thought like I guess the word in Hollywood was like, oh, it's gonna be huge. You're gonna be huge. And then when they released it, they didn't bother with any promos or anything. And then the poster also, you can't tell who the good guy is really or like what this movie is about. Mm-hmm. And it was just, but I love that poster too. Where he's like, he's got the gun and it's like a collage of all the bad guys and everything. But also if you actually... What poster are you talking about? The original Big Trouble in Little China poster. Well, I'm talking about Big Lebowski. I know, but I'm saying the problem they had was they finished the film and they had a look and they had mm-hmm. an idea and it was all concrete. But then it gets handed off to somebody else that they at the time didn't have uh, trust in or the mm-hmm. value of keep on of promo stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. For the, the level that it is now. Really? That's not what I heard about it. Because I heard they were rushing to get that movie out and they were going to do quite a bit of promo of it because they wanted to beat the Golden Child, the Eddie Murphy movie coming no, out. They, so it came out shortly before that. They were talking, well, they were talking about, uh, yeah, because uh, I guess there's like a, period where like Asian mysticism was kind of cool then um they were talking about that the movie was supposed to be over it was something like 20 million and it was supposed to actually be another 10 million or something and then they cut the budget down which was you know they still made the film but then I guess what happens sometimes is even even when they're done and they have a product then they you know the studio feels and does what whatever they want with yeah it's kind of out of the hands that's garbage. The movie's great. Yeah, but I don't think it's like that anymore. I think it's totally, like, that's part of... The packaging of yeah. the whole thing. Like, imagine Avengers coming out and it had no ads or anything. Like, yeah. it would be a completely different... Well, <laughs> it'd still be kind of cool movie, but a yeah. different audience. At the, it wouldn't be a big box office thing. Yeah, but that's kind of like seeing, like, Star Wars now. Like, you could put out a Star Wars movie not tell anybody, yet everybody will know and they'll go see it. They'll, they'll figure it out. Sometimes there's like really good films that just don't, you know, when they come out, like Indiana Jones was amazing. The first movie had no. Yeah. I remember being in a theater and, or we talked about this before, (laughs) in the theater and there's like five or six people in the theater. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's kind of crazy. And also wasn't advertised originally as Indiana Jones. It was just called Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know. Okay. Sorry. Tara Reid, she was in that. Yeah, it was two seconds. She played herself, I guess. Oh, how <laughs> do, you do you think that was... What was she in before that? I have no idea, actually, now that I think about it. She's super young in that. Is she that young? She's I think in, so. I mean, I think it was very early in her career, for sure. Because the thing that made her big was, like, American Pie, I want to say. I want to say that, too, but I got a feeling she was in a TV show, wasn't she? She was in Days of Our Lives. She was in one episode of Saved by the Bell, The New Class. <laughs> she was also in a single episode of California Dreams. I have no idea what that is. Oh, side note. Um, I was talking about Big Lebowski today at work. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one of the guys was saying uh, that they're planning to do a, not a sequel, but a runoff. And it's going to be John Turturro's jesus yeah and i was like i love that character <laughs> but i'm also like you want to watch two hours of a, of a pedo <laughs> 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 I don't. Know. 
he exposed himself once to an eight year old and then had to knock on everybody's Dude, doors. Eight year old. <laughs> That's the best. I but I liked it. Like, I liked one thing I liked about the character was the fact that how much they thought about that character. He had a very specific look, move, backstory, everything. Like, his speed suits always matched. Big purple, you know? Big purple, uh, pinky finger or pinky uh, nail. Yes, because he was a coke addict, obviously. But no, like the first one was purple, and then he he had a blue one. I think the second one so <laughs> oh, it was a different color. Nice. And the ball he was rolling with matched the suits the both times, shoes and everything. His I don't hand know. guard looked really elaborate, also. It did yes, yeah. that was that was the whole thing. He was really into bowling. Bowling was great. They're all into bowling. They're they all really into bowling. Yes. <laughs> well. It's- Jackie Treehorn, great porn producer name. <laughs> oh my god, that part made me laugh. I love that. on the phone and he sketches. Yes. And then takes off. <laughs> we gotta see what he sketched. He's <laughs> like, what? Because <laughs> he thought he was writing some kind of crazy note. So apparently, too. So at one point in time, the dude, when she, he sleeps with, um, whatchamacallit? Julianne Moore's character. Julianne Moore's character. And he's like, she's like, what do you do? Right? And he starts like going through like his history or whatever. And he says a couple of things, which includes uh, he was one of the original writers of like the Port Huron statement. And I was just like, excuse me? What is that? And I was like, oh, did he, did he just make something up? Yeah, I looked it up. Of course I did. Apparently in 1962 as a political manifesto for the students of a democratic society. I don't know. That's what I got out of it. <laughs> what was yeah. the other one? He was a roadie. For a band. Yeah, and one of the other things was he was part of a something seven. What was it? I really gotta start taking better notes and not just leave windows open on my like desktop. Ugh. Oh, uh, it was a rock band. No, the no the other thing wasn't a rock. It was another movement because apparently, like the dude was actually based on a person they knew. It was a guy who helped them distribute their first movie, Blood Simple. Jeff Dowd. Yes, Dowd. Oh, there it is. He was a member of the group, the Seattle Seven, and the dude in it says the Seattle Seven as well. They were an That's anti-war nice. group. Yeah, so I was like, oh, okay. They're not the ones that uh, bombed people. Right? No, they're anti-war. Oh, that was a weatherman. No, yeah, no, totally different. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. You know, take some antics from, like, the real people and put it in there. Yeah. And Julianne Moore's character, Maude, was actually modeled after a visual artist called Carolee Schneeman. S-C-H-N-E-E-M-A-N-N. Schneeman. I wonder if her art is very vaginal as well. Performance <laughs> art, maybe? Or, uh, yes. Installations. Oh, she! Oh, she's that naked drawing lady. That's what I thought. Okay, mm-hmm. yes. The one that where you sit at the, that she has to sit at the tables. No, it's this one. Oh. So I guess that's what they were going after. Is she the one? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Where you just like stare into her eyes or something. Yeah, she did for... a bunch of um, installations with her ex-husband or husband at the time. And then... I'm not seeing any reference to that in this. So I'm not 100 percent sure. <coughs> that's okay. But um, but yeah, based on a real artist. I mean, I'm really not overly surprised, but at the same time, kind of surprised because 
I like the amount of work you put into Big Lebowski, and all I did was uh, watch the movie. Watch the movie. <laughs> I don't know. I, Why? The only thing I took time was like, oh, what's it say when Donnie dies in, uh-huh. the, in the funeral home on the wall? It's like a, a passage behind them. I can't even remember it now. Uh, Could have written that down. How did it go? I don't know. Well, I thought that part was really funny, actually. Like, them complaining about, like, what, why is there an extra charge here? What is this? For vessel, yeah. yeah, for the vessel. Because funerals are expensive. And it's actually, I know this is going to sound awful and weird, like I'm talking about shoes or something, but it's a booming business right now. Because it's the end of, a, like, anything to do with, like, geriatrics and end-of-life care and funerals and stuff like that is going to be huge for the next 10 years. Yeah. bigger than usual um i know everybody dies and it's always a, a needed whatever but at the same time with the like baby boomers heading out and all that kind of stuff which is one of the largest generations that we has lived for this long time it's gonna be a big thing for a little while yeah they they try um selling you everything from that to um uh they tried selling my dad a, a future spot like to rent a future like yeah, plot, which we were into, mm-hmm. but then also the actual funeral home was trying to uh, sell him. Uh, oh, you could put you know some payments down for your uh, visitation. And he was like, "No, like we're here for this funeral." Yeah, I'm not, I really don't weird. really want to think about another one at this point in time. Yeah, they just get like because they start you off with a bunch of essential things that you need mm-hmm. for the visitation. Funeral procession, and mm-hmm. then they start uh, poking you, or you know, seeing how far you'll go for money, which I think is awful. Yeah, it is, but yeah. it's also out of the blue because you're just already in shock. Kind of. The thing is, is people like to take advantage of people that are in desperate situations or in situations that they leave them in like a horrible state, because mm-hmm. then they're easier to manipulate or be like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, do whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then when their head clears and they get a bill for like fifteen thousand dollars, you're just like, "What the shit is this?" You know? Also, it, it, some people react differently, so yes, that is true. A lot of people just jump straight to lashing out or getting angry, which is weird because that doesn't seem like a perfect time to try to gouge somebody or mm. ask them for more money. Well, to them, obviously, it is because it's a one-time it. yeah. deal per life. But I mean, everybody does it. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't see why it needs to be exp- that expensive because apparently on the average funeral cost is between seven and $9,000 and the average cremation cost is 6000 to $7,000, which I think is crazy. They lucked out then. 181 for the... No, but it was just the vessel. I know. They, you didn't see so the rest of the charges, just the vessel. I know. Obviously, it wasn't that much because they just got a folder's cup and put them in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe that's all the, they had left. <laughs> oh. That well, that's one of the reasons why I think that scene is so especially sad, because you're just like they don't have any more money. A and B, there's no <laughs> apparently nobody else. Like, oh, for Donnie, yeah. For, not just for Donnie, but for Walter and for the dude. Like, there's nobody else there, and yeah. you just have these two guys mourning this one guy, and it's sad and gets blown into your face and you're just like oh my god it also might be illegal don't you just dump somebody into the ocean like yeah that? uh my dad 
another story. <laughs> my dad uh, swam with a guy that used to be a pilot in World War II, and then his wish was to be uh, spread over a certain lake. And uh-huh. so his family, my dad was going to go, but then they said, no, it's too risky. And then only the pilot and the daughter went and they spread the ashes in a plane for him because that's what he wanted. But it's it was illegal. <laughs> was it illegal for them to fly over or was it illegal for them to spread the ashes? Oh, the ashes, yeah. But they did it. Yeah, of course, yeah. But also didn't want to get anybody else in trouble in case. Just in case, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That could be another reason for the reason. But your reason is probably the actual reason. Yeah, they, they all seem like just incredibly lonely, singular people. Mm-hmm. Like they have each other, but they have n- like nothing else. Because I can't, I can't see like Walter having a job, for example. Like his range of emo- like ranges of emotions go all over the place and his cussing at people and all that kind of stuff is... He get fired very quickly all the time. I agree. Let's so. see. What else can we talk about? The Nihilist. The Nihilist? Yes. Oh, <laughs> did, did you notice the Jackie Treehorn, his uh, henchmen? Those guys were... One guy plays the devil in... Um, yeah. In a... Su- Supernatural. Supernatural. Yes, that's yeah. what it was. Because they were sitting there looking at him. I'm like, I know that guy. I know that guy. And I had to look him up, actually. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, oh, that's... The other guy's also... Uh, he was also in a bunch of stuff. Really? Yeah, I, I don't know. But I didn't I recognize him at all in anything. Because <laughs> you didn't do any research. Horrible, I tell you. Horrible. So that guy was... Philip Moon. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's see what he was in. He was apparently in Deadwood. He was also in True Detective mm-hmm. in 2015. That's the first season, right? He was also in the Joy Luck Club. He's apparently... Gonna be part of the Shanghai Shanghai TV show? Don't know what that means. No, but 2015 was the last time he did anything, which was True Detective. He was in Hawaii Five O, CSI. Maybe that's why. Bunch of TV shows. <clears throat> Bunch of TV shows. Didn't you watch Deadwood? Mm, a little bit. Okay. Uh, oh, he was on Babylon Five. I like the Jackie that horse, that house is gorgeous. I really, really like that house. I wonder, actually I was thinking, um, I was looking at it and I was thinking it's one of the houses that they used in one of the James Bond movies, but I never actually looked it up because it looked super, super familiar, but maybe I've just seen the movie enough for it to look familiar and think it's from something else, but it's not actually from something else. Ooh, he was in Lethal Weapon 3 as squad member number five. That's fine. <laughs> I just thought that was great. But yeah, he's done quite a bit of stuff. What else is there? Oh, <laughs> I just remembered the scene that made me laugh. Uh, he, the dude starts realizing somebody's following him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's like in a little buggy. It's that other detective. Yes. But then he keeps on looking in the rear view and then he drops his, his roach. And his <laughs> he hits the pole. <laughs> yeah, his whole car just goes like, just flops. It's amazing. Perfect timing. It was perfect timing. It was fantastic. And he forgets his, his car door. Oh, <laughs> and then also the the cop that's in the uh, the pound. He's like, yeah, we have, we have four detectives on it. They're in rotation. We're doing night shifts. <laughs> it just starts laughing. It's amazing. Also, the music in the movie is fantastic. Oh, 
that was done by uh, Yvonne Barnett. I think he, I don't know, you could look it up. I'm just loosely talking ahead. Well, you uh, sound like you know something. I think Burnett's the one that did the um, True Detective. Or the, he does the seasons, the music for those. Burnett? T-Bone Burnett. All right, let's clickety-clack on that Wikipedia. Well, he did the music for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Cold Mountain, Walk the Line, Crazy Heart. Yeah, maybe it was the second season of Raising Sand is a very specific sound then because based on the movies that are here it's all mostly kind of like western sort of things True Detective 2014 first season he did the first season I think only the first season well no I guess they keep they kept uh, quite a bit of the music actually mm. the same throughout the season I also wonder if he chooses uh, the actual the other songs like the um, Kenny Rogers song that famous scene where you know he's rolling, mm-hmm. and then uh, oh, I was wondering that too, because the beginning of it, the way that it's set up, it's almost like what's off her dock. The that Chuck Jones, you know, the, it's uh, Bugs Bunny, and then Elmer Fudd, Fudd and his opera, Fudd, yeah, yeah, they're Vikings, or mm-hmm. he's dressed as a a Valkyrie, mm-hmm. and then or is no, he's dressed he's as dressed he's dressed as a normal person or a. He's going dressed, into battle. He's dressed like a uh so he is dressed the same way. So you know how he sees part of the porn at Mod's place? Yeah, he's whatever? dressed as the, He's dressed like the guy, the electrician. That's what he's dressed as. But Mod look the the way they shot it, the mm-hmm. opening because he's he comes in dancing and the way that the lights bouncing off the wall mm-hmm. is very um like black and white here scaro yeah it reminded me like those angles of that of chuck jones and that like him coming between like the the foreground and the background and like the yeah, big the, shadow that's yeah there it's like and... a huge rock wall mm-hmm. and he comes in dancing it's really cool looking but mm-hmm. then you see is the way they bounce the light is like perfectly silhouetted off the wall and the ground so it just has this neat feel to it mm-hmm. and then it cuts to her as she looks like yeah it looks funny as the Valkyrie well yeah so it's... I was like oh maybe that's I'm, I'm not saying like I'm saying that that's part of the dream because each of those sequences that he had when he got knocked out and then he saw he was flying mm-hmm. and then he saw her on the carpet it's like things that he's seen during the day even in that is uh the that big long sequence uh, Saddam Hussein gives him like shoes. The shoes, yeah. The they're talking about. But it was the beginning uh, of the war. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was great too. Yeah. With, like the giant wall of shoes, and then he turns around and gives him the shoes, and you're just like, what? It's Saddam Hussein. <laughs> <laughs> nice little touches. It does, yeah. No, I, and I and I, also I, like so how I think big it's his great. Eyes get. Like he's just like in the first dream and the second when, or especially when he turns around, he's looking up. Like, of course, skirts, his, his uh, eyes get like. He's like, what? Cartoonish. Because <laughs> he's a perv. I like his dancing. He could dance. <laughs> I wonder if that was actually choreographed or they were just like, just what do, you, what do you do when you hear this song? Do that. Oh, they must have. Yeah. That must have been a big deal. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Was, I think they love doing that era of uh, choreographed. Yeah, because that's, like f- that's not the last time they do that, though. No, they did it in, um, oh, 
What's the other one? They did in Hail Caesar. Yeah, for Hail sure. Caesar. Then they do it in another one. Why do I think they did it in another one? Probably. I don't. I, I. I'm wondering if, as a director, at some point you want to do one of those. Just to, just just to, to do, get just get a dance number done. Just yeah, totally. Just have it. Oh, really? Yeah. To go through like choreography and like all the movements, it just seems so much more difficult. I'm sure it's somewhere in your heart you gotta do a dance. You just gotta get it out. At least one. I'm sure there's several for a lot of people. Even a, who is a like a punch drunk love? Like P.P. P.P. Anderson? Mm. And then uh, there's that sequence where it's like silhouetted and then everybody's kind of dancing. It's really nice. But it's also like, oh, you must really have that urge as a director to get a, a nice little dance sequence in, if you get the chance. But it, do you think that's what it is, or do you think it's that at some point in time, everybody sees their life as some kind of music video? And they're just, that needs to be... Or a fancy dance. That needs to be portrayed on film. Yeah, or, it, or it's just you have a visual idea of something you've always wanted to do, chance to just sneak it into this film but there are definitely directors that don't have dance sequences in their films well, they don't have a little dancing <laughs> but i'm saying a lot do <laughs> a lot of people they're like no we need to have this dance sequence but why like why need to have a dance sequence it's nice a nice dance sequence always awesome <laughs> it's great if you say so oh <laughs> uh, i don't know what it's part of my heart i guess i love those old movies I don't know. I can't. I can't do them too much because they're too cheesy. They're just. They just. There's. A, there's a level I can be at, and accept it. And then they're just like one step above that. And I'm like, I can't. I can't. I can't. I have to. I gotta walk away from it. Like even singing in the rain, stuff like that. I've never watched singing in the rain. So nice. Is <laughs> something just uh, nice to see people dance? Okay. Like I don't know. If you say so. Fine. I'm like trying to think of if I've ever actually watched one of those movies from beginning to end. I definitely watched a couple of Shirley Temple movies, but that was when I was like very young. And of course, Shirley Temple. She's adorable. And maybe even modern ones, like Even if it like even even not really well well done, but not really at the level of thirties, but like Blues Brothers or something. Oh, I love the Blues Brothers yeah, movie. But like those type of things. But they weren't really dance sequences, though. Sure it was. There's one big dance sequence the in the Chica 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 song with, uh, oh my god, uh, who is it? He's, um, owns a pawn shop. He's blind. Oh, Singing Ray Charles? Tour. Yeah, Ray Charles. Is there a big dance sequence with that? Yeah, everybody outside is dancing. No, isn't that the part with, um, Aretha Franklin? That too, they're dancing in that one. Cubit, I think. Maybe? But everybody is on the street. Like, definitely... Okay, so there's a movie I haven't seen in a long time. Then I do have to watch a couple scenes like that. Oh yeah, there's the uh, when they're stalling to at the the big concert at the end, and Cab Calloway starts singing. He does like a a scene. Oh, the Heidi Ho song. Yes, there's that part too. I don't know. Everything but Blues is great. I I like that movie. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I must admit, I do watch like animated versions of that. Like I love like the movie Trolls, for example. They break out the song. It's it's huge dance sequences. I love the shit out of that movie. And the first time I watched it, I was just like, oh, whatever. It's on TV. And I just put it on because I was like, oh, you know, good songs every once in a while. Great. 
Loved it. Loved it. I have to admit, uh, I enjoyed La La Land. Is that La La Land? Is that that one? Yeah. They have very interesting sequences in it. Oh, yeah. No, like, I, they all have talent and stuff. I'm not saying no. I'm not saying it's bad or whatever. But especially, like, the the last scene where she's trying to think about if everything worked out between the two of them and how it, like, moves through that, like, fake mm-hmm. world and whatever. That I really liked. But the rest of it, I was just like, meh. I know. Is it because that was the sad part? No, it was just, uh... I don't know. I think, I think my thing is it's the that interests me and stuff like that is more the technicality of how they did it than the actual sequence. We actually, I wish I looked up for Big Lebowski is that dream sequence where the big bowling ball is going to suck him in. And then he's into obviously like they just cut it perfectly. And the film rolling. Yeah. Yes. I wonder how they, what, did they just rotate a camera and go down? But that was way before, like, GoPros and stuff where you can stick, like, a little camera inside well, I know, or something. But if, if you're on a, a bowling alley, you could probably stick a, a camera on something that rotates and just push it down the, the bowling alley. But wouldn't the perspective be, like, kind of weird? It would be that. And then you just cut a bowling ball shape. And no, but, like, but you still have to believe have already. that the thing is on the lane hovering above the lane if you understand what i mean yeah i don't know or do you think what they did oh, was they took like a camera they did little rotations like little three second you know like little not a complete 360 but mm-hmm. they did like less than 180 <laughs> i don't know or 90 like, degrees oh i know what you mean 90 degrees again yeah so like uh there are one spot 30 degrees yeah. then move another spot and then 30 you can degrees. kind of blur the the bowling at lane and mm-hmm. also the ceiling, and have them just kind of blurred out. Mm-hmm. But the only things that really catch your eye is the the pins, and then who threw the ball. Exactly. That's uh, great. See, I wish I did some research. <laughs> so this is all fun. your fault. You could have you could have done research really really easily. They also did a lot of three D uh, bowling pins, and yes, yes, they did. Because it it looked the it looked like they didn't. They wanted to use as little as possible. Yeah, I think, uh, but I think that's one of the things that makes the the movie work is that they, they're just like, yeah, we're going to have some fantastical sequences, but we're going to make them as practical as possible. Because mm-hmm. that's my thing. I love a good practical effect. It ages better. It looks good. Because the people can actually interact with it, so there's no weird like it's like eyeline issues and and all that kind of stuff. It just it works. Yeah, it's grounded in reality. Reality, yeah, because um, that's what it is. It also makes me um, want to. I wish I did do research and find out where that bowling alley is and if it's famous. <laughs> the same with the. <laughs> there's a burrito place that they pass by. Mm-hmm. It looks, it looks hold on, hold on, hold on. The bowling alley is real. Okay. Uh, the bowling alley is called the Hollywood Star Lanes on Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood, California. There you go. Boo, boo, boo. Sorry. Okay. I should have read more. Uh, the building was demolished in 2003 to make way for the new elementary school. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so true. Okay. And there's also a note here. Weirdly enough, the dude has never actually seen bowling in the entire movie. Oh, no. Don't you see him finishing at the beginning? No. 
Yeah, well, you don't see him actually bowling, but you see him coming back from the lane. Yeah, but you don't see him bowling. Yeah, oh, okay. I agree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Until I read that line, I was just like, oh my god, yeah. Because you see Walter bowl, you see Donnie bowl, mm-hmm. see Jesus bowl. There's, especially at the end of the movie when um, the stranger is talking, when it's cutting to him, you see that one guy in the lane who keeps throwing strikes in the yeah, background. I thought that was amazing. Actually, that's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so you see like several people bowl, but you never actually see the like the dude bowl. Because even the one time where he meets them there, he walks and he's all upset. He just sits down. He doesn't actually do anything. Okay. And he just starts like talking and whatever. I'm like, oh my god. Oh, 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 okay. Found it. Okay, you want to know how they did the... The ball rolling scene? Yeah. So, to get the um, POV shots of the bowling ball rolling on the lanes, the camera is mounted on a specialized RC car ca- chassis. Oh! That reached speeds up to 20 miles an hour and followed actual balls that were bowled on set. Oh, so they did. They just made it rotate and go towards the, the pins real fast. I don't understand, though. The, the But it says the camera was... Uh, mounted on specialized RC cars and then followed actual balls down it. But how does that, how do you get that rotation? Well, I guess the RC cars are going at whatever speed. So somebody's manually, like it's a, like a little car, mm-hmm. and then they're just following in the next lane the ball that's going at a certain, at how fast the ball would actually go. But how do you get the rotating effect then? I'm guessing it's mounted and then it's just like rotating. Like, it's, it's specifically connected to the rotation of the wheels, I'm guessing. I guess we'd have to look at, look at it. Hmm. I don't know. I don't get it, because that doesn't make any sense to me. Because the other thing I can think of is that if, for example, like, they have the car, and they have the, bo- the ball, like, in, right in front of it, and, like, there's a hole in the ball, and as it rotates... The camera films right through it and oh i think they did it separate from a ball and then they just use a ball in the next lane to get the relative speed for the little car hmm so that they look like they're going that's the speed of a bowling ball all right i got i don't know i have no idea in your mind do you picture uh uh, the camera is like a donkey and the bowling ball is like a carrot in front of it not really, no. Not <laughs> really. like, oh, what type of contraptions in your mind? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more like um, um, like a steamroller, right? Whereas the RC car and the camera are like the actual like vehicle mm-hmm. and the ball is like hooked onto the front of it. Oh, and there's the like a... lodged inside. Yeah. And there's, and like, uh, no, not lodged, like lodged onto like the actual car part. And there's the bowling ball, and there's a hole through the whole bowling ball. Mm-hmm. So when the hole hits the camera, you can it'll videotape whatever the ball sees, so you can see that kind of like movement, if you know what I mean. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, that, that's what but I'm it's picturing. Also, maybe it's just a virtual bowling ball. Cause... Yeah, it has nothing to do with anything, which is totally possible as well. No, I mean, no, yours makes sense, but then it also seems. Why more would, difficult. Why would you put a camera inside a bowling ball? But the camera's also, not like, inside the bowling ball. No, I'm just. You would use the ratio of the circumference of the ball as a, a, a placemat for how you would film or the rotation of the camera. Sure. 
Anyway, let's go on to something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes, I have no idea how it's done, but it was wonderful. It was. FYI. Um, it also spawned a religion called Dudism. Is that those parties where everybody dresses like a dude? A dude? No, that is actually a convention. Um, it's a festival that happens in Louisville, Kentucky, called apparently, Lebowski Fest. Apparently, the first couple, I don't know where the original ones happened, but mm-hmm. they were happening like there'd be a party and everybody dressed like Lebowski. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeff Bridges actually dressed up in his Lebowski gear and went. Mm-hmm. And but did you know most of uh, his wardrobe was just his clothes? Apparently, including those jelly sandals that he owned, where he—that's just stuff he had. Which is that a shirt? That T-shirt that really stand out. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't specifically say which pieces of, of clothing it was, but for some reason, I wouldn't be surprised if it is. That sweater, like, or you know, the, the there's the knitted sweater. Mm-hmm. It looked very comfortable. I like the. I think, um, I think that would be. It. There was a. He was wearing like a baseball tee. That was like a Japanese or Chinese baseball yeah, team. I really that's liked that be one. Too. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised actually. I really liked that one. That one was great. But the jelly sandals really got me. I'm like, what are on your feet? It, it just it just hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. It's so oh, wrong. I totally forgot that he. Uh... <laughs> so stupid. Such a stupid scene. Were you nailing uh, the board into the ground? <laughs> yeah. And then puts the chair. <laughs> But the door opens in the opposite direction. But that's weird too, because like, whose door opens inward? Out? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, no. Technically, that is correct. Because if you what our my door doesn't yours doesn't. Yes, it does. Yours, yeah, yours comes. Yours go. Yours doesn't go to the hallway. That's what I'm saying. But his does. Yeah, and that's, that's why wrong. it's weird. Yeah. Um, but it's also like really funny. Because that also means where he lives was probably coded to be some other type of building at some point. Because public spaces, your doors, because of emergencies, are supposed to open outwards. Uh, maybe it's um, housing made uh, during or after World War II. Maybe. Maybe it's just old, which is totally possible as well. But it did make a funny scene. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes back later and he's all frustrated and he sees his apartment turned upside down, then he trips over it. That's also funny. Because <laughs> that means they like the filmmakers did not forget about the thing that he did. <laughs> also, the amount of nails they use. Is ridiculous. <laughs> he didn't want it to move. That <laughs> <laughs> was very good. Oh, such a great movie. But I mean... Oh, we gotta talk about the Nihilist. Nihilist. Nihilist? Nihilist? Yeah. Yes. And then uh, Donnie kept on One of them was Flea. Nazis. It was great. Yes. Nazis. <laughs> well, because they're German. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and then the, the head guy was that awesome guy that's in... Uh, oh, what was he in? Constantine, where he played the devil. Yeah. He was also in Fargo when he put Steve Buscemi in a wood chipper in that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's also in um, that Spielberg film with uh, Tom Cruise. Uh... Wait, which one? The one where it's like three of them, and then they can see the future. The co- the cognate, cognates. Oh, um. Samantha Morton. <laughs> first of all, or whatever. <laughs> it's what is it? What are they called? Uh, the recogs. I recogs. Think yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. I don't know, but yes, it's um. Uh oh my god! Now my brain is just gonna break all of a sudden. Wait, is he in that movie? Tom Cruise. 
No, the other guy. He's yeah, he guy? plays a doctor that he um, caught and then arrested. But then he had to do that black market change his eyes. Mm-hmm. And so he went back to that guy. Oh, that's right. And then he does like a, and he has like a runny nose. And mm-hmm. then he does like a weird noise all the time. Yeah. Like, ah, ah. And like the whole place is like dirty and gross. Yeah. And, and he it, actually does leave him food and a proper sandwich. But then like, Tom Cruise goes and picks up the he, wrong thing. He, yeah. He also has a rotting sandwich besides the normal sandwich. <laughs> which makes, you know. Which made the scene so much so funnier. Much Minority Report. Sorry, totally, totally makes sense. Yes. And rotten milk next yeah. to, rotten green milk next to a fresh milk. <laughs> No, it would no. It was on a different shelf. Oh, <laughs> was it was on a different shelf. I don't know why he would have just thrown out the crappy stuff, but eh. it just made it better. It did. Mm. But yes, that was Minority Report. Oh, uh, so um, John Goodman throws the bowling ball at Flea, and I think that would be the reaction if getting hit by a gigantic bowling ball by a well, yeah, you, you'll man. get the wind knocked out of you, or maybe it would even break your ribs. There's that too. Yes. And it also depends on, well, I'm assuming he's using like a regulation ball, which I think is like 13 pounds, I think it is. Is it 13 pounds? Something like that. He really whams him. Yeah, he does. It's so funny. And then he full on like um, Mike Tyson's the other guy and like bites off his ear. That's what he went for right away too. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even ear. try to like punch him or anything. He just like grabs him and just bites his ear. You're just like, oh my God is happening it takes the kettle blaster of the other guy. also they uh i like that they order pancakes all of them <laughs> different types Does of pancakes pancakes are delicious they are i feel sorry for that girl she lost a toe she's an owl she cares not but it probably still hurts no next to a pancake nothing matters <laughs> but she was supposed to get a million dollars oh god yeah silly silly I also like that. What were they called? The Autobahn? Like they had a record? Yes. Was it the Autobahn? Yeah, it the Autobahn. like craft work. Yes, they did. <sighs> now, talking about great bands, we can go on to Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, okay. We got <laughs> time? Well, no, because uh, one thing I found out is that it was John Carpenter's band that did the music for the movie. Yeah. And as of watching the movie, I'm just like, this is the worst music ever. Yeah, he sang. <laughs> he, it was him singing. It's so bad, though. Like, it's so excessively 80s. It was like they were making fun of the 80s in the 80s. Like, no, that's how that music is. I, I don't think he was making I think that's him just being. I'm not, I'm not saying no. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, for example, if this is the first time I saw that movie, I'd be like, oh... The music is supposed to make fun of the eighties, and then you're like, "Oh no, this music was this was made in the eighties." Oh no. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's one of those things. He, he put a little heart in there. <laughs> um. So I'm gonna make another beverage for you. Yeah. Thank you. They're delicious. I'm gonna no, but we're gonna make a big trouble little China beverage. Oh. Oh. What do, you, just done. what do you mean? What do you, <laughs> oh, you can have another one of those after, but we're we're having we're drinking uh, themed beverages today. Oh, we're drinking what they drank when they were playing. Um, not mahjong. They're playing. Uh, what's the game they're playing? Were they playing? They weren't playing mahjong. What were they no, they're playing something else called duan or something. Oh, the yes, but that was a. Card you know what it's game. called? No, it's a dice. It's a dice game. Or not dice. Uh, what do you call it? What do you call those dominoes? Sedona's? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, this is actually supposed to be a drink that is supposed to match oh. the special potion. The elixir. 
Yeah, that they drink. Alright, other shot glass. More ice. This was supposed to be green, but it's gonna be blue. Because I was supposed to go find something else to make it green, and then I didn't. Does it have blue croco on it? A blue carousel? Yes. Yes, it will. I used to drink that in high school. Well, yeah, you're gonna get a. What is this thing called? A memory flashback of. A blue Hawaiian with a slight adjustment. Alrighty. So, yeah, there you go. Drink that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so for this one, um, because uh, Egg Chen makes a concoction that makes everybody feel really good in it, I decided also to make a concoction that makes people feel really good. It, it tastes like a freezy. It's delicious, right? That makes me feel good. Uh, yeah, it's technically a blue, what is it, a blue Hawaiian, but this one I added like half club soda, so it's like a proper drink, not just like a little sippy thingy. And the bubbliness makes it fantastic. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, there you go. See, this is what happens when you have two movies that could easily be themed to beverages. So, anyways, Big Trouble in China. Love it. There you go. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, it's pretty great. It, it's great. I don't, uh, is it my favorite John Carpenter film? It's up there. What, what is your favorite John Carpenter film? I don't know. There's a bunch. Uh, the Thing is great. Uh, they live. Also, could rock Kurt Russell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They live. Uh, Escape from New York. Really? Yeah, it's pretty fun. I don't it's like. Right. Well, I don't like. These either. are all like uh, super channels around, and then you can watch them. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like. I don't like either the Escape from New York or Escape from LA. I don't like either of them. I like Escape from New York. Hmm. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's great. Oh yeah. Oh, it is ridiculous. Yes. Fake blood and all that like, kind of stuff. It's kind of cool. It's like, you. Why why do you want to live in a post-apocalyptic world where violence and murder is king? Because he got snake. He doesn't care about any of it. But he gets stuck every time. <laughs> uh, Can't get out. Okay, let's let's, let's talk about Jack Burton. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh. so so back to my comment that I made earlier that was wrong. This one was originally supposed to be an 1890s western. It was the idea. <laughs> Not the <yeah>. Big Lebowski. <laughs> also, uh, I've never heard it worded, but uh, it's actually, that's why people like, well, everybody that I know that likes this film mm -hmm. is the reason they like it is pretty much the same reason is uh, the sidekick is actually the hero and the hero is the sidekick. That is true. That is very true. Well, no, I, yeah, if you want to put it that way. And basically, Jack Burton does nothing. It does one thing right at the end of it. It was by mm -hmm. accident by catching the knife and throwing it back. Throwing it back, yes. Um, like, before you got here, I remember reading something about this movie and um, somebody else was originally supposed to be the star of this film. And, like, they got the script. They were reading it. And they're just like, I'm not the hero. I don't want to do it. And I was just like, what? Are you crazy? That could be another, actually, one that's supposed to happen... Uh, it's supposed to be a big trouble in World China, I think. Yes, and and uh, he doesn't want that to happen. No. Wait, didn't he die? Oh, did he die? Lopan? No. Because um, it's supposed to be called Rise of Lopan, or the Resurrection of Lopan. Well, Lopan is dead, yes. The guy who played him yeah. died a while ago. I found, oh, I was listening to the commentary and I found out uh, he's, uh, he used to do um, 
in World War Two, he would go do the uh, what do you call that? The OS shows. USO shows. USO shows. Mm-hmm. He'd do uh, blackface. Lopan. Yeah. AKA the ancient. Who was he? He was. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm. I don't know. I don't. This is not something you need to tell me because. My three memories of that man is the ancient from Kung Fu Legend Continues. Yeah. Lo Pan and Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. And the restaurant owner, the Chinese restaurant owner in Seinfeld. Kung Fu Panda. Oh, in never mind. Seinfeld. He's also the And also the Chinese <laughs> restaurant owner in The Big Bang Theory. FYI. He and, played the same character. And the Chinese restaurant owner in Kung Fu Panda. Yes, he played the he did the voice of the goose. Poe's father. I know Lopan because I play Diablo. He did so. I think he did a, quite a few voices and some stuff, actually, when I think about it. Because um, he'd been around for like a while, like a long, long time. He also makes me laugh every time in that movie when he sees Jack Burton's there again. And he's like, well, I think it's Jack Burton. He's like, you pissed me off. Yeah, like, he gets so angry. <laughs> but the way he says it is amazing. Wait a it's second. So Wait a second, he's not dead. There you go. He's alive. Sorry. Yay. Okay. Is uh, Egg Tushan? Um, hold on. So this is James Hong, and according to Wikipedia, he is not dead. But he oh. was born in 1929. He's been around for a long time. Also, I don't know if it's true. Uh, my facts are never really facts. Oh, yeah. He was, he was also the guy in Blade Runner. <clears throat> yeah, the eyeball guy. The eyeball guy, yes. He's also... Um, uh, I don't know if it's true. Uh, John Carpenter's, uh, he's the godfather. John Carpenter's kid, or one of them. I uh, no idea. Is it him that he, I thought he was close friends with the with uh, Wang in the movie? No, I think it was Lopan. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, Wang is the the friend. The well, yeah, oh my god, he has he. Oh my god. So right. James Hong has four hundred and thirty three. Acting credits. That is voice and screen time. That is a lot. And he's his first. Oh my god! I'm still. I'm still scrolling. Hold on. <laughs> that holy crapolies. His first thing was in a uh, something called Dragonfly Squadron in 1954. That is. That can't be his first. He did stuff very crazy. Maybe that's his. Well, vaudeville kind of stuff. Yeah, so that wouldn't be listed here. That is crazy. So the guy who played Wang Chi, Dennis Dunn. Yeah, he didn't actually know Kung Fu. He knew Kung Fu. No. Oh, he was born in California. Yeah, but apparently he didn't know Kung Fu until they did Big Trouble. Hold on, hold on a second. I'm looking for things. <laughs> Thank you, Internet. Yeah, it says the martial arts sequences were not hard for Dennis Dunn, who had dabbled in training as a kid and done Chinese opera as an adult. I don't know what Chinese opera has to do with it, but for a martial arts sequence. Do they do a lot of martial arts in Chinese I opera? I think they do, don't they? Don't they do different I don't know, dances I'm, with swords and stuff? I'm asking you, because well, I, well, I don't I know. know. <laughs> Makes me want to go see uh, Chinese opera, though. Or wait, Chinese, what do you call it? What's Chinese it? opera is it's, what it says. It's just called Chinese opera? 
I'm, that's what it says in this thing that I'm quoting here from IMDb. So I'm not 100% sure. And there was something about John Carpenter and and something else about him and Dunn. And I don't know where it is. I'll just find it at some kind of random point and be like, blah. That's okay. So also, one thing I noticed for the first time, because I was like, why the hell do they call like the truck the Port Chop, Chop Express? Do you know? <laughs> well, I don't know if this is true or not, but the thing that I realized in the movie is the fact that that's a slaughterhouse truck. He brought pigs to Chinatown. Yeah. And they're pulling him off. Pork chop. Express. Yeah. I was just like, oh my god. Makes sense. Oh my god. But it just made it kind of darker. <laughs> also found out Kurt Russell learned how to actually drive that thing. The, the scenes on the set where him driving and then there's one scene where he almost hits a wall mm-hmm. and they left it in <laughs> oh that's right at the beginning where it's like the they get, they get, in the alley right yeah they get before the fight happens mm-hmm. yeah. i mean i think it makes sense <laughs> yeah but it's also really funny imagine, <laughs> he, imagine he wrecked the entire set oh. he's like and there goes the set reset everything we'll be back in 20 days and 30 million dollars. Oh, uh, and I, I was when I was listening to the commentary, they brought up it's kind of cool, but um, apparently, after they finished the film, one of the Jacksons is Michael Jackson, I think, was looking around at the set and then they used it in one of Janet Jackson's videos. Oh, is it um, what have you done for me lately? Not sure, but uh-huh. it's uh, the Chinatown set. See, now I'm trying to think of which set it would be. Because it's definitely not Rhythm Nation or Pleasure Printerful or um, Nasty or... No, those are too late anyway, so it wouldn't, those won't count. Well, they apparently that set's still around on the lot. What? Like, they just refurbished it and changed it up a bit. Mm-hmm. And they talked about um, Kurt Russell's clothes and that he actually... The moccasins, he actually... Uh, those are his moccasins. <laughs> his, his. Really? Yeah, and then later on, uh, his son, the the guy that's in Overlord. Yeah. They were some, I think it was Banth or something, and then uh, they saw moccasins in the window, <laughs> and so it's like, hey, aren't those? Don't you have a pair of those? And they actually got his son some too. Oh god! So they're just walking around together with moccasins. I don't know. Maybe they're nice if you're, you know, out on the cottage. Mm-hmm. They're like big Uggs, man Uggs. Man Uggs. Yeah, moccasins. <laughs> <laughs> what just, just call them moccasins Uggs stole moccasins from the natives they did a good job of it but, well I uh, guess wait would aborigines in Australia have had moccasins no it does get cold no, in Australia they, they call them <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> so wrong all kinds of that's wrong that's the best about Uggs is uh, Australians come here and then they see uh, people walking around in the snow in them, and then they think they're insane well, yeah, because they're supposed to be like they're, slippers they're just, and stuff. Yeah, they're they're, they don't. They they don't have insulation. They're not waterproof. That's why Uggs always look so gross in winter and stuff. Because it sucks up all the salt and the water, and it's yeah. it's disgusting. And then of like, if you get real ones, they're like three hundred dollars. You've just ruined three hundred dollars shoes. And well, not really three hundred. They're like a hundred and something bucks. But still, then you've just ruined really nice shoes and, or expensive shoes. Not nice. And yeah. Comfy Uggs. Uh huh. He wore them all throughout the film. I see nothing wrong with that. Oh, I also okay. love his his um his shirt. Yeah, somebody uh, saw it 
and then they bought the print and made a whole bunch of copies for the movie. So you could wear that. So you could just wear it the yeah. whole time? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a bunch of different tank tops, the same thing. Yes. I like it. Yeah. And I like the way they all dressed up. Mm-hmm. Let's see, Victor Wong. I also like Victor Wong. He's great. I also like... He that. did die in 2001. Uh, Egg Fushan? Wait, wasn't he also... <laughs> That's really funny because... So, Big Trouble in Little China was pushed through production really quickly to beat um, Golden Child coming out. Yeah. But he, Victor Wong was also in Golden Child, so he got the money from both movies. That was all good. What else came out? They also said what else came out that year? Uh, Rainbow and Aliens. Yeah, because it was 1986, was it? That was a good year for movies. Yeah, 1986. Hold on. He was also saying uh, Big Trouble is... uh, So he made Starman, uh, John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. And then he made The Thing, but it was so dark that the studios made him... Told him his next film had to be uh, lighter. Oh my god, that really is a good year for movies. So, I'm just, sorry, I'm just going to say this. Yeah. So, 1986 includes movies like Platoon, Aliens, Top Gun, Stand By Me, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Blue Velvet, of course, Big Trouble in China, The Fly, Labyrinth, Highlander, I mean, come on, Pretty in Pink, Hannah and Her Sisters, um, Star Trek Four, The Voyage Home, I mean, come on, that's good stuff. Short Circuit, Karate Kid Part 2, that's a good year, Critters, that's a great year for Crocodile Dundee, sorry, I'm just gonna so keep, I'm gonna stop reading this list, because some of those weren't that great, is, Flight of the Navigator, what are you talking about, these are all great, Little Shop of Horrors, I like Little Shop of Horrors, that is a great movie, I didn't like Flight of the that would be aged really badly. Peggy Sue got married. It's fine. Hey, that's great. Howard the Duck. That's not great. <laughs> what are you talking about? The animation's great. The, the, the movie is, <laughs> the movie's wonderful. There's bestiality. There's intergalactic beings. Uh, there's there's uh, it's, that playboy in the beginning. Yes. It's fantastic. What are you talking about? It's a little big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. Big oh, uh, the guy that, the writer for Big Trouble is the same writer for uh, Buckaroo Banzai. That is correct. Exciting. Also found out he didn't like King Trouble, uh, or he wanted to rewrite her parts or something. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Carpenter put a stop to it and just said, yeah, she's doing good. Like, mm-hmm. The role that she's doing. I mean, her, her role in general is kind of like exaggerated. Yeah, but it was... But I guess that was the point. I liked it. It was fun. Yeah. She also has, like, this awesome scene where she wakes up from being uh, under the the spell of Lopan. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when she opens her eyes, she opens with one eye first. Yeah. And then the second. It kind of made me laugh. It's pretty good. It's great. She gets those action techniques from movies like Mannequin. It's beautiful. Oh, she's not bad. (laughs) I love the movie Mannequin. What are you talking about? Okay. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what you don't like? Um, what a cursed Egyptian princess who wakes up in the future as a mannequin in a store window. Pretty good idea. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> um, Should we talk about the three? Uh, the three storms. Yeah, I love them. They are great. The one is with the model. Mm-hmm. 
I'm guessing that was lightning. Yeah, I think uh, so. Thunder, I think, was the big guy who blows up. Was that thunder? I thought he was wind or whatever. Yeah. No, he's wind, and the other guy's thunder, I think. The guy with the long hair. Thunder, lightning, rain. Is it? What is it? Thunder, lightning, and rain. Okay, so maybe he is thunder and the other guy's rain. Yeah. Because he think. rains down with greed, vengeance, and furious anger. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't uh, know why that came to mind. <laughs> but apparently that guy uh, trained the Hong Kong Police Department. Like he's like a huge... Which one? Kung Fu guy. Thunder. Oh, really? The main guy. The big guy. Yeah. Yeah, the guy at the end. <laughs> the only guy they make shirtless all the time. Because mm-hmm. he's ripped. And then he did the... the When they did the dance sequence. Mm-hmm. I forget what they called it. They have held the swords of... Oh no, when they have to tame the flaming sword. Yeah, and yeah. then touch the <laughs> I forget the trick. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, yeah, but he actually is like really you know, big kung fu dude. Mm-hmm. Actually I think a lot of those guys were. Yeah, I think I'll, I think most of them are actually they were from like uh Hong Kong studios or something like that. Because mm-hmm. even um the funny thing is there's a note about Peter Kwan, the the rain guy, the guy with the long hair. He was very, very excited that he got to have long hair in it, and that's why they emphasize it so much with this character, where he just, like, flip his hair. Because <laughs> he really loved it, and apparently it was a $3,000 wig that they had to put on him every day. That's great. <laughs> I wonder if we got to keep it at the end of the shoot, when you just get to walk around with it all the time, like, flipping his hair. The best was the, the, in the commentary, they were like, oh yeah, this is where we get, and then they, the fight starts in the alley, mm-hmm. and they're like, all right, this is, and then both of them start laughing, and then I think it was Carpenter was like, this is where, you, where people realize this ain't the movie they thought they're gonna see, <laughs> <laughs> and then all you know, like all of them pull out their little utensils, yeah, and do all their kung fu tricks. Mm-hmm. It's like, or they actually they do they do a weird they all pull out the knives and do a weird backflip thing. Yeah, he's like that's they write that at that point. That's when people <laughs> so realize like, this is different. What uh, what am I here watching? <laughs> One thing I thought weird about that scene. So before the three storms show up and like the battle between the the two gangs starts, right? Yeah. Why is there like a history of guns in that battle sequence? Oh, because okay. they have like um, I know I guess they've been all around for a while or whatever. But, like, they're shooting, they've got six shooters, they've got Tommy guns, rifles, AK-47s, Uzis, semi-automatic handguns. You're just like, why is there, like, a history of Well, even in the commentary, commentary in they were like, all right, now the real weapons come out. Kung Fu! <laughs> 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 Which is kind of awesome. Like, that's the mindset they have. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you got guns, but they, like, you know, weird knives and I still, flying swords. I still and, found that scene really weird because you're just like, oh, they're Kung Fu guys and they're just going to shoot each other instead of, like... No, fisticuffs. Only lasted like two seconds. That's true. And then they ran out of bullets, I guess. Or they realized not enough. We gotta use our kung fu. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Chinese mysticisms. It's great. There's a bunch of scenes in that that are awesome. Yeah. Oh, the 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 Chinese have a lot of hells. It's like uh, hell of the upside down sinners and hell of the what's the other one? There's like four of them mentioned in it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, one of them was what? Where they'll like strip your flesh in the hell of the something something. And yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. I really should have written those down. But <laughs> my note is the Chinese really do have a lot of hells. And that was my note instead of actually writing down what the. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, low pants transformation from like the old cripple guy in the wheelchair to like 
big low pan, you know, where the, the head starts to like glow and oh, undulate and all amazing. that kind of stuff. It's so good. It's so good. I loved it. It's like a piece of plastic. Yeah. It wasn't even like it was like a a lamp. Yeah. Really cool lamp. Nice. Like a lava lamp without the outside thing on it. Yeah, you can see through it. It's translucent. Yeah. But it worked so well. It worked beautifully. <laughs> his acting in that was amazing. So and also when he meets Kim Cattrall's character and then he like puts his finger on her face. Mm-hmm. And she goes like bite the finger. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah but it's also like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, then when she bites, he's like, oh, she got mm-hmm. fire in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that Lopan's, like, hall where he's going to get married. It's covered in, like, neon, and it has an escalator. You're just like, really ancient evil. Is this is this the look that we're going for? It was great. <laughs> I saw that, uh, a couple, well, okay, so I always, when I was a kid, it was either on Super Choice or whatever, and then you get VCR tapes, and there'll always be, like, a, you know, wear and tear to it. And yeah. And, uh. Remember eight years ago, uh, with a friend, and then they're like, "Oh, I got this HD," or they we were renting stuff, and then he, it came out like this HD copy of Big Trouble, and mm-hmm. then we watched that, and then that scene came out, and we're like, "It's amazing!" Like the fluorescence of it, yeah, stuff is like really cool. It's the red. Oh, what is it? Red, red and blue. I think it was was yeah. the that and outlined the, the like skull and like the escalator going down and like the, the banister on the second level and stuff. So good. I'd, I'd go to a rave there. I mean, I'm not into raves anymore, but I'd totally go to raves there. I would. I would go to an ancient marriage mm-hmm. of evil. Where he sticks the needle of love into someone's wrist? All their fingers, I think. No, or he, he, he stuck it fingers. into the back of his the wrist, and then he touched his wrist to show him bleeding. That oh, he I, thought was he becoming a, I thought he had to prick each of the fingers, too, because no. he had a bunch of little bloody fingers, too. Yeah, because he went inside of his, like, thing and touched, like, his arm. And it came back. That was showing that he was becoming mortal because he, he was bleeding because of the needle of love. I like when they cosmic fight. And it's like a video game. <laughs> and he uses his thumbs. <laughs> they do the same kind of... Well, no. They do, like, the same kind of... They, they don't use their fingers or whatever. It but it reminded me of... Um, <laughs> it reminded me, actually, of Masters of the Universe. Because there's a scene at the end with He-Man and Skeletor. Oh, And they're glowy. fighting and they're all glowy and stuff. That's what it reminded me of. Oh, that was... I was going to bring up... Uh, big, I think it's Big Trouble had... The art director is the same one that did the last Jedi movie. Like, the actual last Jedi movie? That yeah, out. the last one that came out in the theaters. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Can we find out who the art director is on this? Probably. Direction. Les Gobery. G-O-B-R-U-E-G-G-E. How do you say that? I don't know. Uh, apparently, no. He did He did first Star Trek First Contact. That's kind of cool. And Volcano. And Clue. Oh, those are some good movies. Oh, I wonder if it's like, not art director, um concept artist i don't know we'll take okay so art director he was um a time of destiny big trouble in china dallas a bunch of episodes of dallas chips the muppet movie and a tv show called family Mm. and he was part of the art department on oh set designer in bowfinger my giant georgia the jungle warriors of vote i've never watched that movie star trek naked gun two and a half so I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's somebody else. 
Yeah, maybe it's another role. Maybe it's production design? Oh, maybe. That's John J. Lloyd. And no, but he did The Thing and Blues Brothers and Checkmate. Hmm. I don't think that guy's around anymore because the last thing he did was 1987 because he died in 2014. So no, I don't think it's that guy. He was 92 years old. That's a good life. Uh, I like Wang's fight with um, the storm guy when they're doing all the flips back and forth and they're like, together the and and he looks at him like up and down he's like inside uh, the double <laughs> yeah. it, was great. it still gets me i love it i absolutely absolutely love it <laughs> i also like when the, the big guy blows up but he looks so hurt when he walked into the room and he saw a little pan there it's like he's going to cry and he's just like a child having a tantrum he's like no and that's why he has to blow up and destroy everybody he played it well he did he did it fantastically and Meow Gin said six words in the whole movie, even though she was the crux of the whole movie. Um, yeah. It, like, it's just at the end, she's like, no, no. Oh, yeah. That's all she says. That's all I forgot. It was like Kim Cattrall. And then uh-huh. she has her friend. And her friend has a bunch of lines. But she gets kidnapped and then just hangs out in the apartment with uh, the guy that liked her. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't actually take... I Like, I got so distracted by this movie. Like, I put it on... I was like, I should be taking notes. I was like, oh my god, this is so great. <laughs> then the movie was done. I was like, oh, I didn't take any notes. There's also a scene where they dive into the water to mm-hmm. escape. And they're, like, they're going through the sewage. Mm-hmm. And everybody has, like, there's a bunch of people that have these awesome dives. Yeah. And then Kim Cattrall's dive. <laughs> like, you could tell, like, she wanted to do a straight down. <laughs> and she kind of half belly flops in. And you could see that that's when they Because she, she couldn't, like, actually dive properly. Oh, must have hurt. <laughs> I would not be surprised, actually, because, what is it? Apparently, Kim Cattrall was doing stage production at that time, so she was burning the midnight oil, as they say, um, on on doing that, because she would be filming, uh, she'd have to leave at 4.30 and then do her performances on stage of a play called The Three Sisters at night while she was filming that whole thing. That seems difficult to do. Because I'd also get, like, having to memorize lines for both things, I'd probably get them confused and say the wrong thing at some point in time. But I guess that's probably why she was an actor and I'm not, because she Isn't didn't get what, them confused. Uh, I remember hearing the guy that did Moonlight, because he was on, um, I think at the time... Mashiach Ali? Yeah, but he was in um, House of Cards. Yes. But he was actually filming House of Cards, and then he drove all the way mm-hmm. back somewhere. Or, or go back to mm-hmm. L.A. to do Moonlight on the weekends or, like, in, like when he should be resting. And mm-hmm. he would, like, just fly over there, do shots of the movie, and then come back, and like, over a span of a couple months or something. I, I mean... I don't even know if it was a couple months. Like, maybe it was a couple... It probably would have been a couple weeks, yeah, not months. I mean, uh, depending on, like, what the shoot schedule is. Because, I mean... But imagine, like... Lack of, on top of lack of sleep, and mm-hmm. then you gotta deliver like. But that's what that's why they're actors. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta especially. I mean, I know I know it's not like the beginning of his career, but it's the beginning of the like like the it's the important part of his career where it decides where he's gonna be successful or not by doing things. You know, so you gotta hustle. You gotta do. You gotta do the parts. Could be also like they really want. It's true, like, the projects that you want to do. And, like, they're both, 
I, I mean, I haven't seen Moonlight and I didn't like House of Cards. It was way too boring for me. But I understand why people like both of these things and I understand. And he is like a, he is such a good actor. Like I loved him um, in the last season of uh, True Detective playing the different ages of the character. And so he just did it so well from like their posture, the sound of their voice, the, you know, type of terminology used, you know, and, and the simplicity of him switching up like his haircut, like throughout it, I guess that was probably part of the costume department and all that kind of stuff. But it was just so good. Like it was just so, so good and so well done. So yeah, he deserves any kind of accolades he gets, I believe. Oh, that's all I want to say. Captain Ron, I totally forgot. <laughs> Kurt Russell did Captain Ron. He did. Oh, that movie is so bad. I did. I don't think he did. He meet his wife there, or is that because he was already with Goldie Hawn, and then they wanted to do a film together? No, didn't he meet Goldie Hawn on Overboard? Oh, why do I think Captain Ron is overboard? I think they're the same film. They are very different. (laughs) I picture them being the same film. They are very, very different. Didn't they redo Overboard? They did, and they switched it where it was... um, The woman was the the broke, quote-unquote, redneck, and the rich person was like a guy. Yeah. Do that. And it was... um, Oh my God, what's her name? Um, she used to be married to that dude and was on that show and was in that movie. She was in Scary Movie on Mom. Oh, okay. uh, I like her. Uh, she's the house bunny. Yes, her. Uh, oh my God. Why can't I remember her name right now? The funny thing is I watched one of her movies the other day called, (laughs) um, what's your number? It's a horrible movie. Don't actually watch it. But I also realized that there are three Avengers in that movie and I was just like, what the shit? (laughs) Because it's, uh, oh, she was married to Chris Pratt. That's who it was. Because he's in that movie. Chris Evans is in that movie. And, um. Loki or something. No, it's, uh, shit. It's Falcon. Uh, what's his name? Uh, why am I so bad at this? Oh. If you type in Falcon, you actually get things about birds. That's stupid. What's the latest one you did? Black Mirror. Anthony Mackie. Oh, why can I remember that? Anthony Mackie was in it. And, uh, yeah. Anna Ferris. That's her name. Woo! It came to me. It took a minute. Yeah. But, yeah. She had the sitcom now, didn't she? Mom. Yeah. Yes. It's been on for a while. I don't really like it. Don't watch it. Okay. Even though it has, um, Allison Jenny in it, who's a great actress and also a great comedic actress as well. But, wait, how did we get on this topic? Overboard. Oh yes, overboard. Yes, so she was she was the girl that was in Overboard. Okay. Uh, Anna Ferris. Yes, and the guy was like, I think like some Spanish dude. I don't know. That's right. I didn't watch it. It didn't look good, and I was like, I, I don't need this in my life. That's okay. Yeah, but the original Overboard is, of course, it aged badly because it's it's photo offensive and it's kidnapping and it's awful, but it still makes me laugh because I'm a horrible person apparently. <laughs> yeah, just an FYI. But yeah, Kurt Russell. He was in that movie, he did that movie, The Soldier? Is it just yeah. The Soldier? Actually, he did a bunch of awesome stuff too, like Stargate. Yes. Didn't like Stargate the first time I watched it, but then like the third time I watched it, I was like, you know what, this movie is great. I don't like the TV show. They still make him awesome stuff. People hate that character's movie. Yeah, he's doing a bunch of Quentin Tarantino. I did like him in um, oh, Death, Death Proof. Proof. Yeah. 
So good. Um, there's a scene that they talk about. It's when he's in the wheelchair and he's going down that hole mm-hmm. where he's almost falls in the well. In the well, yeah. That actually it was a flat plane and they just built the the top of the sets just made shot on it. It was like built on an angle. Mm-hmm. And they just shot the so it actually just looks like he's going down. That's pretty cool though. Yeah. And then um and then they were talking about it where he hits the only part that he he was actually in the chair when they're doing that because mm-hmm. they're just going sideways, and then I think they actually shot him when it, it hits the well and it kind of just jolts a bit. But yeah. The well is like forced perspective, so it's actually only a couple feet. Yeah. But uh, Carpenter got worried because he was like, even a couple feet, he was like, oh no. You could really hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but he said he was like almost having like a heart attack, like watching it. Like, oh. <laughs> Like, there were no, like, there's no rigging or anything? There was no, like, uh, you know, ropes attached to it or something? Yeah. And then they both laughed about um, when he gets out of the wheelchair, like, mm-hmm. or magically, and then, like, jumps out. But okay. he actually, when he jumps out, he kicked the wheelchair He fully the... pushes his back. <laughs> he does. That wheelchair could have been fine and stayed on land where it was, but no. Not as effective. Not as no. effective, no. Uh, br- well, bring that stuff up. I always wondered, like, what was up with, like, the random monsters? Oh, yeah. Some of them you don't, they don't even explain. Like, that weird fish thing that grabs the guy in the sewers. Yes. No, it wasn't a fish thing. It was a, like, wasn't it, like, a spider thing that came out of the wall? Spider fish with hands. Spider fish with hands, done. Um, But there's also the, like, um... The beholder, that eye thing. Yeah, there's that. They so they don't explain where it comes from. They but they explain its purpose. It, it is just, very funny though. He shoots it, and then Shen gives him a look, and he's like, yeah. "You don't know until you try it." <laughs> <laughs> but then they stick a whole sword through it, so then it dies. Yeah. Um, but what about like the big monkey monster gorilla thing that just kind of like lurches around and then ends up on the pork chop express at the end you're just like what are you doing that's for the second season actually i saw a comic and i wish i brought it up Mm -hmm. uh somebody uh drew out what happens on the pork chop express with that monster and it looks amazing like they drew this awesome big trouble china comic sequence what a lot of people love that it's a good movie like especially like um if you just want something fun to look at that's not too offensive and whatever, it's great. Well, even the cover, The Big Trouble, when we finished uh, Gearing His Demons last season, mm-hmm. uh, we did like, you know, promo stuff. And so I took all the characters from Gearing His Demons and put them in this poster and then painted it. So but uh, I like I liked that movie, but I also like the guy that makes those posters because he did the... I think it's the same guy that did the Indiana Jones ones. And the Star Wars ones? Yeah. Yeah, because they, they have the same kind of like feel and and look to them overall, right? Yeah. So I just thought it would be fun to make a bad copy of Awesome Art. That's cool. There's apparently a comic book called Old Man Jack, which is just the adventures of Jack Burton. FYI. Hmm. Um, oh. It looks kind of great. Did we talk about the sequel? No, we didn't talk about the sequel. So, apparently... But haven't they been, like... There was supposed to be another is just talk. So, either it's a sequel, so and as in it's now, and it's not going to be Jack Burton, or mm-hmm. it's another copy of the exact same movie. I and hope they don't do that, because that'll just ruin there's it. There's supposed to be one that a couple of years ago, or 
2017 or 18, in 2017 or 18, and it was supposed to be The Rock, and then it got held or stopped. Yeah, because I think what would happen with that is that The Rock will be like the star, and the, but the problem with it is like the the thing that makes the movie work is that the star is like you said isn't the hero. Yeah, it's the flipping of the. Yeah, it's the flipping of the the like the roles or yeah. whatever, and I think that's what makes it work, and that's what makes it funny, and what makes it good. But if The Rock's in it, he's like, no, I'm gonna have to be the hero. I have to be the hero. It's also neat that um, so Jack Burton's like physically fit. Oh. And he's doing all these crazy, like when they go to save the girl, the Kim Cattrall and the other ladies that are trapped in that cage. Yeah. He, he goes underneath and like. Oh yeah, and he just goes across. He yeah, does yeah, all yeah. this physical stuff, but when it comes to actually fighting people, he's just uh-huh. really. Well, because he even in like the big like battle fight scene, he has like that one guard fall on him, and he just gets like stuck there. Yeah. For half the battle, you know. But or they they the open that door, and there's all those guys, and mm-hmm. it's, he. Kind of high, like his gun gets jammed, <laughs> and then at the end he jumps out. Yes, <laughs> it's amazing. But also, he's not like it's not like he's a coward. Mm. It's just he's just always had he just he's not bad luck. I don't even know what's bad luck. I don't think it's. I think it's more that he's he doesn't actually know what he's doing, so he he does the wrong thing and he gets stuck in places. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He just I don't know. That's it. That's all I got. Um, How did they get in the elevator? Because oh, like, that monster comes out of the elevator. They were trying to get in the elevator at the end mm-hmm. to, to get out of because the battle, the big marriage battle is done. And then that monster comes out. And then somehow, accidentally, they get in the elevator. No, they or, kick him in the balls. Because uh, you know, Kim Trump kicks him in the balls. balls. Yeah, yeah, and they just pass by him. Yeah. And they get in the elevator. Yeah. Yeah, he never does anything. No. No. No, he doesn't. Well, he, he kills Lopan with lipstick on his face, so that counts, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, so kind of. <laughs> oh, that scene's awesome, too, because mm. in the background, the other guy's fighting. Oh, and he's like the, the, the doorway? Because it, it's, yeah, it's like in a distance, so you mm-hmm. see him in another room, and it's almost like a cartoon, but then halfway through the fight, because it's like a normal fight, and halfway through, you can tell he's not winning, he's just running away. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's awesome. <laughs> It's just, they don't make, like, fun, easy movies like that anymore. Everything has to be so dramatic. I don't know. Maybe they do. We just haven't seen them. Like what? Well, I don't know, because we haven't seen you them. You haven't seen them? Yeah. Well, I mean... There's I, a I, bunch I, of, like, there's uh, something I haven't... Like, sus- the latest uh, Suspiria. Or, actually, Kurt Russell did one a couple years ago called Tomahawk, and that was amazing. Tomahawk? Yeah. And it's basically uh, settlers and they get attacked by cannibal Native Americans. Of course. And uh, I think racism. They want to have a posse go save everybody. Mm -hmm. And then Kurt Russell and all these men are part of it. So Tombstone? No, it's called Tomahawk. (laughs) I'm kidding. But then uh, (laughs) when they go to save the only person, there's actually two people that with the wits about them or able to deal with the situation and it's like one of the surviving I think it's a surviving I can't have seen this film in a while it's either the woman that survived the, the original attack and then a native guide mm-hmm. who told them don't go because you'll just die and of course they all just die 
So they all decide to go and die. Yeah, but also, like, they underestimate what they're going against. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty cool film. But he's in that, and it seems like a weird, not low, low budget, but definitely that's a film a lot of people haven't seen, but it was enjoyable to watch. Well, because probably people have never even heard of it, because yeah. I haven't. But, uh, yeah, people still make fun films for themselves that are fun. Oh, I gotta track some of those things down. Or what's the other one? Uh, I really liked it. Uh, it's in Detroit. It Follows, the one where it's a weird monster that... Sex monster? Is the that sex that monster one? one. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't. I had no interest in watching that. It's great. Okay. But, like, you don't see it at all. Except mm. the person that is getting attacked sees... My problem is, is that nobody has told me anything to sell me on watching that movie. And I don't know if it's because, A, the advertising for that movie that came out, when it originally came out, just made it seem like a random slasher movie with a bunch of sex in it. And I was just like, I have no issues in watching that. No, it's and really then good. It's really great. Well, I, but that's, I think that's a fault of the advertisers then. They're not advertising the movie that they're putting out. They're advertising something completely different and not getting the audience in to watch the actual movie. There's a, I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of films that are like that. Nobody sees them, but they're, somebody sees them. Like, they're now on Netflix and stuff, so I guess there's still an audience. There, yeah, somebody's going to end up watching it at some yeah, point in time. Like word of mouth. Um, well, yeah, okay. I think that happens with probably about half the movies that are made, because... There's no way that there's somebody out there that knows every movie that's put out. Because that's just ludicrous. Um, and movies that get proper advertising and stuff like that, people will go see. But there's a bunch of them that's going to fall by the wayside no matter what. And there's a bunch of movies that get made that the you know studios probably have no faith in. They're like, well, we made it. We'll release it. But you're not getting anything out of it. No advertising, no nothing. And it's just going to sit there for a little while. And That's also... The amount of uh, great foreign films. That yeah, but that's just because this is North America. That's yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of really great foreign movies that are out there. My problem is, I really wish I should. I should watch more. But What's again, it? I don't want to watch subtitles. Read subtitles. There's an Italian one. Uh, it's the guy that made this movie called Gamora. Mm-hmm. And then he's coming out with one that looked awesome. It's a dog. Oh, the the dog man. Dog man? Yeah. Yeah. Dog man. I saw I saw a trailer for that like yesterday or today. Yeah, it looks cool. It does look interesting. Yeah, because it starts off like the trailer starts off really cute. Like he's there and he's grooming a dog for this little girl. It's like you want me to comb his hair? Blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And right away you get the point of it. You're yeah. Like, you're like, oh, that's dark. Where is this going? Let's go yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> that does look like it's it's interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. I think it's also like there's a romanticism in the early 80s or that time period when Big Trouble was. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of films that I love that um, just because of rental places that before even Blockbuster was around. Mm-hmm. I used to go to uh, Bandito Video. It was like... Ambassador Video for me, yeah. And it was just like this family owned this thing and then they, all these, you know, like weird films would be there and mm-hmm. get to see whatever I want. And so I got to see like awesome, you know, Big Trouble, uh, Buckaroo Banzai, uh, Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Like all these like movies I shouldn't see when I'm a kid, but then when I see them, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. But they're also like, I, 
I can't picture somebody selling that to an audience and then the audience being like, yeah, I'm going to spend my money to see this. <laughs> Unless you actually go see it, you know, you don't yeah. know what you're missing out on. It'd be a I big mean, gamble, especially like a different idea, like Big Trouble, where it's mm-hmm. like the flip-flop idea. Yeah. Where if they explain that in the commercial, I'm sure a lot of people would be like, oh, I don't want to do that. No, but it's not, I don't think it's about explaining it. I think, I think, uh, well, that's actually one of the problems with a lot of trailers right now is that they give away the whole movie in the trailer and you're just like, no, I don't want you to tell me the whole movie. Your trailer is supposed to sell me on watching the movie, not tell me the whole or the movie. Or the feel of the movie. Or the feel of the movies. Yeah. And where I find a lot of trailers and stuff right now, either they go one way where they tell you the whole movie mm-hmm. or they tell you nothing about the movie and you're like, I don't know what this is. And like the advertising is just wrong for it. So you just you just don't go see it because you're just like, I think it's going to be this. And which sucks. I have no interest in that, you know. But I don't know. But like you said, I, I don't think they're making... Um, people don't want to take a chance on something that's new or different or whatever. And because I'm not saying, you know, the movie industry isn't about business. I, I get that. But the, the the industry is actually about telling stories as well. And they want to see a cookie cutter movie, like story being told. And those are the things that they're putting out there. And I'm like, no, you can try something a little different every once in a while. And then it takes like 20 years to get something different comes out. It's a blockbuster. And then everything is like that movie. And you're just like, now you're just ruining a type of genre. It's really frustrating. Probably always been that way. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's, I'm just being bombarded with it now because it's, it's everywhere. No. You know. Old age. Is it, is it old age? Yeah. Why, why is that, why is that old age though? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying not anything about the, the, the young people or anything. Why you can, you, you can. Why are you, like, why are you hurting normal, me like this? That's oh, not nice. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm saying is Big Trouble in China, great. That's, uh-huh. all, that's all I'm saying. It is. You know, that, that's that's all. That's all I got. Oh. Wonderbar. I don't know. We have anything else to say about it? Um, I don't think so, except that I still really like it, and it's good, and it made me laugh, and it's fun. Romp down memory lane watching Big Trouble in China. It's so, such good poppy. Oh, that's the other thing. Stuff. I wish I researched. (laughs) At the beginning, there's uh, a bunch of guys in the airport to go kidnap her. Mm -hmm. And so there's a bunch of henchmen throughout the film, and they're all different. Mm -hmm. But the guys at the beginning, uh, the one guy has a specific move where he has double those uh, cop pull-up batons. Yes. And then he does like a double knife kind of move where he switches between mm-hmm. sides. But the way they shot it or the way that he he acted it out or like he was moving reminded me completely of, I wanted to look up if it was the same guy that was in uh, Batman. Because there's a scene in the original Batman where he gets attacked by a double sword guy. Like the Michael Keaton? Yeah. And then Michael Keaton just like Basically, Batman punches him. But it was like a cool scene in the original movie. But uh, his actions in this film, I was like, oh, it's Oh, totally, reminded you of totally, that Like, thing? the way he's moving is totally like that guy. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That'd be like, that'd be awesome. I can picture Same the scene actor. in Batman that you're talking about. I can picture the scene in the movie, but I don't... It also brings up the point that I wish there was a mo- or movie or a nice long documentary about 
action stuntmen in general that do the different stunts and how many films they're in and how often they get. You know, I think it'd be a lot of sad stories if you watch that. You don't have to make it sad. You could just make it about the movies and the moves and things they influence to make something look cool in a certain way. That is like, true. Like the Batman fighting scene mm-hmm. or stuff like that. Like not just the choreographers, but like, oh, this guy was really good at this. And like those like, the stunt coordinators yeah, and the actual like stunt the, men. That and movie the... wouldn't be made without this guy, this specific guy and his cool moves. Yeah. Either well, because especially when you have like an action movie, like a stunt coordinator and a stunt choreographer really important to like the overall feel of the sequences because yeah. if those people get it wrong or they get it differently the f- movie feels completely different right yeah and specific like guys anything. are really good at specific things yes and that was the neat thing about big trouble too is he grabbed a bunch of hong kong guys and at that time i'm guessing 80s to 90s that was jackie chan you know it's like almost a golden era Hong Kong for and Hong Kong films and yeah. stuff like that, especially for like yeah those kung fu films. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that's actually kind of cool now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all I really have to say about it. Oh, also, yeah. sorry, one thing. Mm-hmm. So the Chinese characters that they put on screen at the beginning of the movie, they translate approximately to evil spirits make a big scene in the little spiritual state. FYI. That's a nice thing. that's it that's all i got i'm about the same all right well um thank you uh for being here again for these couple of big movies i wish i did more research but yeah i kind of wish you did more research too because you're like i think this 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 and this but i have no way of proving any of it i know horrible horrible especially in lebowski like trying to figure out what those landmark places like (laughs) Uh, Jackie Treehorn's like Malibu house, house yes. like, cool house. There's like a burrito place that they go to or pass mm-hmm. by that looked awesome. That probably doesn't exist anymore. What that bridge was where they drop the money <laughs> and, he, and that Uzi goes off. I bet you there's probably like a Hollywood tour or something you can go on that they're like, oh, the, here's the films with Big Lebowski or here's the scenes from like a bunch of different movies and yeah. Big Lebowski's on there. That'd be really cool. I totally go on one of those tours. Same with Big Trouble. Yeah. Oh, yes. Apparently, some of that is LA's Chinatown, and then the majority is well, it does a lot. Say it takes place in LA. No, it's supposed to be San Francisco. Is China. it San Francisco? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Which makes still it California, kind of cool. so it's fine. Well, I think it's the San Francisco is the biggest Chinatown. Isn't it the second biggest Chinatown? Mm, what's the biggest? One? The big, there's one in Japan. That's supposed to be the biggest Chinatown. Like, it has the biggest Chinese population outside of China. Really? Or something like that, if I remember correctly. Or maybe it is that one. I don't know. Hmm. That's good. I'm going to look it up. It's fine. At some point in time. (laughs) Anyways, again, thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, Well, that's it for this episode of Off My Shelf. Until next time, you can follow along on Instagram and Twitter at OhMyShelf. Or you can send an email to OhMyShelf at gmail.com. On the next episode, we are going to be talking about Blade and Blade 2. I hope you'll be here to listen. <laughs>